Well, it's always exciting to be in the house of God. Amen? God is always up to something. You might not know what He's up to, but He's up to something. And sooner or later, you're going to discover the amazing things that He had planned for us. Amen? And I'm always excited because every day begins an adventure that God can orchestrate to bring us blessings, favor, and anointing in our lives. And we must never be ignorant to the fact that God is always present and leading and blessing. Amen? Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you to all our wonderful volunteers yesterday. I know we talked about it on our announcements, but I just want to say a personal thank you. Thank you for an amazing weekend you guys put on. We had so much amazing feedback on Facebook and in person where people just loved the fairy tale adventure. They're looking forward to the next one. And I know a lot of you put a lot of time and effort. And I just want to say thank you for that. Give them a hand. And just quickly as well, uh, we need three men who are able-bodied and strong with whippersnippers to help us cut some grass at our new site. So, if you want to volunteer, just see Pastor Paul after. We need three guys with some whippersnippers. Is that okay? Yes. Amen. All right, let's get into the word. Who's excited? Woo-hoo. Amen. All right, so today we're going to talk about the Council of the Wise. And I love this series because it's been so practical. It's given us real instruction. It's challenged us. It's given us insight. And really has brought us to a new level. Do you feel so? Amen. Amen. All right, so let's open up our Bibles. We're going to Proverbs Chapter 11. So turn over there while I just invite the presence of the Lord to come and join us. So just fill us this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we thank you, we honor you, we bless you, we praise you. Father, you are always amazing in our life. And Lord, as we come together this morning, your word, let it take root in our hearts, in our lives, that we are transformed by it. Lord, it would be useless if we just came this morning just to have bodily movement. We came to receive a word. We came to receive your presence. And so, Lord God, when we depart from this place, we want to go renewed and refreshed in your spirit. So, Lord, bless your people. Anoint your people. Continue to encourage them and lead them into the great things. Bless your word this morning. Remove these lips of clay and let your word have preeminence. We honor you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. The key proverb we're going to talk about this morning is in chapter 11 and it's verse 14 and this is what it says where there is no guidance a nation falls but in the abundance of counselors there is much wisdom now i said to you that we're going to be talking about the topic the counsel of the wise and there are many other proverbs just like this i'll cite another one and it's from proverbs 15 verse 22 and it says this Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Who wants their plans in their lives to succeed? Amen? A few of you. I don't know where you other guys want to succeed, but that's okay. Let's continue. But this weekend, what we want to focus on is receiving wise counsel from wise people. Whenever we are facing a key decision, an important crisis, or something we need to give urgency to, it's always important to receive good counsel. Do you think so? Amen. Amen. About a month ago, we did a sermon on decisions. And my dilemma at that time was whether I should sign up for this email that I'd received telling me that some relative had died that I'd never met or known about in my life, but if I send them a couple of thousand dollars, I'll inherit about a couple of million. 
And I really had to ponder that, but I thought, mm, probably not to go down that path. Probably not do so. But since then, I've been flooded with emails, some of them telling me that, you know, I'm going to get other millions, and some of them telling me that, you know what, you didn't file your taxes properly, send us $2,000 and it'll be fine. So apparently, it's been fun. Either way. But in that sermon, I was principally talking about, principally talking about making wise decisions. Do you remember? I walked you through a plan on how to make decisions when you're at a critical crossroads in your life. I reminded you that Proverbs teaches us that whenever we're going to make a big decision, the first state of mind that we need to be in is total humility. To get on our knees before God, and if you have a journal, if you have something to do, put a picture on your mind, write it down, and say, God, you love me more than I love me. Your plans are better than my plans. So please, God, guide me in this decision. Then I challenge you to look into the book of James, which says in chapter 1, verse 5, if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives it liberally. God wants to give us great insights. And my coaching was really this. Get on your knees, write it down, bring it to focus, and let God have his way. Let his decision be key in your life to direct your path. Because oftentimes we take decisions and we make choices that lead us into a path that's out of disaster. But if we let God choose us or choose for us and let him guide us, I believe that we will never fail if we follow his wise decisions. And so we need to formally ask God to guide us in every decision. And when I do this, I put the situation down, maybe on a journal or a piece of paper, and I ask God continually till I receive an answer. Because I want to remind myself that it's not my plan, but it's His plan. It's not my way, but it's His way. I'm in process because God is going to answer, and I'm going to wait. Then I switched over and said, okay, if you're humble before God, you've asked for wisdom, He does provide it. And he provides it in three distinct ways. Do you remember what we talked about? And the first way I said that God answers is through his word. You're reading the Bible, as Brad said he was reading. You know, sometimes it's good to read the Bible rather than Facebook. And sometimes the scripture will just begin to speak to you. It'll just speak into your life, speak volumes about the situation that you're going through, your decision that you're facing. And the word of God comes alive and it helps you make the best decision. Second, God speaks to us through whispers. The Spirit of God whispers to us, directs us, and guides us. Strong impressions come into our life and into our mind. And God just goes, this is the path I want you to go down. These are the options that you have, but this is the choice that I want you to make. And you have a strong impression. Almost every single one of us have received an impression from, at some point or another in our life. We get guidance from God through the Spirit and the whispers of the Spirit. And then thirdly, we said through the counsel of his wise children. And this weekend, I want to put that third way, that third option, under a microscope and begin to examine what that really means. I'm going to pretend that you're all in the accelerated class at Transform School, or you're part of our internship program. And these are the kinds of thoughts I reserve exclusively when I talk to our leaders and our interns. So let's look at it. 
The key verse says, pay attention to what it says carefully. In the abundance of counselors, there is much wisdom. Did you catch it? It didn't say that there's total wisdom. It said there's much wisdom. Much wisdom, not 100% guaranteed wisdom. Much wisdom, not foolproof, absolute, unshakable wisdom, but much wisdom. Which really means we still need to discern what the advice has been given to us and make the right decision for our life. We cannot just put a major decision in someone else's hands and let them offer us wisdom and say, we're just going to follow it without thought. A lot of us have, made, have done that. We'll do what the majority says. We'll do what I've asked 50 people and, you know what, 49 say do this. I'm just going to go with that. That's not what we're supposed to do. That's gotten a lot of people into a lot of trouble. And some of you have experienced that matter because you've listened to people and they've led you to disaster. And so what I'm really trying to talk about this morning is that we need to understand wisdom, but we need to discern what's appropriate for our life. And so some of you might be familiar with the story, some of you might not, but it's found in the book of 1 Kings chapter 12. During the time of David and Solomon, Israel really began to grow and experience the golden era. It was about an 80-year time span where they really went through a prosperous time. Israel actually became, became a world power. They were so renowned that queens came and visited just to check out what's happening. They amassed mind-boggling wealth. They've had a lot of programs, public work programs that they put into place. They built a temple. They built multiple palaces, government buildings, and amazing things across every city. It was the envy of the world. But then Solomon died. And his son, Rehoboam, began to become king. And this is a little bit amazing when you look at it. What happens is that the citizens begin to cause an uprising. They really come to the king and go, hey, under David and under Solomon, we've been really taxed out. We've been having high taxes. We've been having a lot of work, and we want some labor relief, and we want some tax relief. And what happens is that Rehoboam looks at this and realizes that under David and Solomon, they had a lot of labor and a lot of taxes. And so really, the people come to this new king, like, the old king's dead, let's check out the new king, let's see what he can do for us, because we've been pressured into doing all this stuff. So they come to the new king and Rehoboam and say, hey, we need some relief. We need to lower taxes a little bit, because we've been paying a lot, and we need to have some, you know, some reprieve, because we've been working to the hilt. And Rehoboam does a really cool thing. What he actually does is like, okay, guys, I understand your concern. Give me three days and I'll get back to you with an answer, which is really important. Can I come back with a decision for three days? You know, we had a session in our internship program. We talked about postponing decisions but addressing the issue. Because oftentimes when we are pressured to make a decision quickly, we often make the wrong decision because we don't have all of the facts and all of the knowledge to make the wise decision. But Rehoboam did a really cool thing. He said, give me three days, let me think about it, and I'll get back to you. It gives you time to think. So Rehoboam is smart, and he didn't answer reflectively, or just out of reflex. 
So for the next three days, he seeks counsel, which is amazing. The first counselors he goes to are the ones who Solomon had around him. There's two groups of counselors, and he goes to the first one. The first one is the older group. They've been advising Solomon for years. They've been sitting around talking to him, and they've given major advice to Rehoboam's dad. And they say, this is what the counsel we want to give you. So he goes up to these older guys, and they say, hey, you know what? Under David and Solomon, they've really worked hard. So if you give them a little bit of reprieve, you lower their taxes a little bit, they'll be really loyal to you. They'll follow you. They'll do something. Just reduce the taxes and give them a little bit of a break, and they'll really be for you. So Rehoboam goes, okay, cool, got your counsel. And then he goes off to the young guys. Now these young guys are actually the guys that grew up with him. Their stars align with Rehoboam's stars. They're really in a clique together. They go to him and they go like, hey, they think, hey, if we give Rehoboam advice, maybe we'll get into a prominent position as well because, you know, he's the king now and we're his friends, so who else is he going to put in power? So they say, hey, you're the king. You can do whatever you want. Raise taxes, make them work harder, and tell them that that's, the problem. that's, that's all you can get. So Rehoboam gathers them after three days. He gathers all the people again. And he goes, hey, guys, I'm the boss. I'm the king. I'm raising taxes. You're going to work harder, and that's it. That's my decision. What do you think happened? Have you read this story before? If you read it, you realize that out of the 12 tribes of Israel, 10 of them decided to go back home, stop working, and succeed from Israel. And Rehoboam was left with two tiny little tribes. Ten of them just left. Said, we can't take it anymore. But what I want you to notice today is this. Rehoboam did exactly what the, the scriptures and Proverbs tells us to do. He went to counsel. He got counsel from two groups of people. But here's the problem. He, he listened to the wrong advice. He listened to the wrong people, right? What actually happened was he made a bad decision. He listened to this group of guys because he thought they were his friends. And they're like, okay, I'm going to listen to this guy and it destroyed the kingdom. Time out. How many of us have made bad decisions? How many of us have, at some point in our life, made a decision that has come back to hurt us to pull us down and to really leave us vacant, whether it's financial or emotional. You know, the reality is that when, as a leader, I make bad decisions, people get hurt. People's lives are in flux. But, you know, if I make a personal decision, well, my family might be hurt, my finances might be hurt. But as a leader, and some of you can identify this in your workplace if you're leaders, if you make a bad decision, the people under you suffer. They go through crisis as well. And what we have to understand is that every decision we make might cause people pain who are associated or work for us. The point I want to underscore is really not just going and seeking advice, but discerning what advice is appropriate in your life. Because Rehoboam counseled, got counsel from two different people, or two groups of people. But he listened to the wrong ones. Now, can I just come out and say this? Because I want to just ask you guys, 
Do you want me to beat around the bush for 15 minutes or can I just get right at the point? Can I take the short way? Yes, short way? Thank you. Awesome. Permission to speak candidly. Receiving counsel from people and wise people in your life does not absolve you of the responsibility of getting the decision right. Just because someone else gave you advice doesn't mean that you can just follow them and not understand or not plan or not ponder or not pray about which advice is relevant to your life. Receiving counsel does not absolve you of the responsibility for your own life. At the end of the day, when you stand before God, you're going to be standing in your own shoes and you're going to answer for what decisions you make, what your faith lived up to, what you did with your money. All those are going to be in your shoes. It doesn't matter who told you what. Ultimately, what you decide belongs to you. You have to give an account. And as helpful as wise counsel is, and I believe most of the time, people mean the best. They intend to help us. But for a variety of reasons, their counsel might not be the best counsel for our situation at that particular time in our life. Friends can help us. And all of us have good friends that often give us advice. But does that advice align with what God's advice is? I don't know if I ever told you this, but about 14 years ago, I had this really strong impression from God that I needed to move to Australia. And I wrestled with it, I prayed about it, but the more I prayed about it, the more the impression became more apparent in my life. And so finally I said, okay, God, I'm praying. Help me seek out some advice. So I went to some guys who were in leadership, friends of mine, really good friends that were in leadership. They were godly people. And I said, here's the plan. Here's what God is leading me. What do you think? And they're like, absolutely horrible decision. Never do that in your life. And this was a time where if you were planted in a church, you wouldn't just uproot yourself and move across the world. You know, that wasn't really looked upon as something good. People frowned at that because why are you going to move? God has a plan for you right here. And so it boggled my mind. It began to get to a point where I knew God was whispering to me. I knew God was telling me something in my life. But it just wasn't aligning with what my friends, the counsel that I went to get from. They said, absolutely not. Never do that. And then I was like, wait a minute. I need to understand something. I'm absolutely sure, 100% in my spirit, that God definitely wants to do, make me do that. And then I looked at it and said, hey, these guys are just men. They're great men. They're godly men. But ultimately, they just remember, they're men. And I'm responsible to follow what God has in my life. And so this is where your mind can get in a flood. This is where your mind can go different places because you have a whole bunch of people telling you you should not do this, but you have the strong impression from God that this is what he wants you to do. And so then counsel might not lead you in the direction that you're supposed to go. Did that scramble your brains just a little bit? See, in Acts 20... The Apostle Paul felt the prompting of the Spirit. We're actually doing it in our Bible study in Kingdom Empowerment on Sunday. We're going through this quite extensively. But he was in a thriving church in Ephesus. He planted this church and it began to just explode. People were just coming left, right, and center. It was doing amazing. But then, in verse 22, if you read the NIV version, it says this, 
compelled by the Spirit, Paul felt he had to leave. So this bunch of elders were walking him down to the wharf. You know, he was going to get on the ship. And they're like, Paul, don't go, don't go, don't go. Really, wrong decision. Why don't you just stay here? And Paul's like, bye-bye. <laughs> the whole point was, Paul felt that this is what God wanted him to do. Because at the end of the day, I'm not going to stand before God with anyone else but myself. I'm bound in my spirit, Paul says. I'm caught up. I have to go. And then there's this kind of obscure passage in, in Acts 21. If you come to Kingdom Pound, you'll read it. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. And another group of wise people, godly men, prophets, one of them named Abigus, stop Paul on the road to give him counsel. They're like, we need to give you some really good advice, Paul. I know you're a man of God, but... This is actually from God. I want to tell you this. Do not go to Jerusalem. You think God's leading you there, but do not go, Paul, because if you go there, guess what's going to happen? Terrible things are going to happen to you. Turn around, go back to Ephesus and pastor the church that you planted there. It'll be an amazing life. You have all these adoring people that will just follow you. Now he does something really weird, Abigus. He goes, hey, Paul. Can you do me a favor? Would you mind lending me your belt? And oftentimes, like, hey, lend me some pliers, lend me some tools. Who asked for a belt? It's like, give me your belt. So Paul, like, whips it off, gives it to Abigus. And Abigus, like, ties his hands, and then he gets on the ground, and he ties his feet, and he's, like, there like a roped steer, you know, like a roped lamb. And he's like, Paul, this is what's going to happen to you. Take a good look. Keep staring. Don't look away. Stare. This is what's going to happen to you if you go to Jerusalem. Can I just pause there for a minute? How many times have we had people say, hey, if you go down that path, it's going to lead to disaster. If you make this decision, you're really going to have a problem. But you felt that this was the right decision. You felt that more than just feeling, it's a God-ordained decision that you had to go through. And so Abigail goes, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to get arrested. You're going to get beaten. And worse than that could happen. We're telling you for the last time, don't go. And then they broke down crying, pleading for him not to go. Why do you think they did that? Because they honestly loved the guy. They didn't want to see him end up in disaster. You know, the problem is, as an average Christian, when we come to people with kind of titles and impressiveness, and they say, you're making the wrong decision, you should stay here, absolutely wrong. Guess what most people do? You're probably right. I'm off course, you know. I don't have it right. I'm just going to follow your decision. I'll just turn back and do what you're telling me to do. But listen to what Paul says. Paul's words are powerful. And this is what he says in Acts 21:13. Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? He understood that these people loved him, and he loved them too, because they're literally breaking his heart. I'm not, ready, I'm not only ready to go to Jerusalem and be bound, but also to die in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thanks for the counsel, guys. Really appreciate your love, but I can't follow it, because I've got a leading from God, and I know exactly what he wants me to do. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And that's where he went. He went to Jerusalem and had a huge impact 
for Christ. He got beaten up a couple of times too. And right about now, you're probably thinking, so should we actually go seek counsel of, of godly people? Because you've been telling us not to all this time. Should we? Absolutely right, you should. Every single time, you should seek godly advice. But here's what I want you to do when you do it. I want you to weigh it out before you just blindly obey. Weigh it out and don't just blindly do it. Ponder it. Pray about it. Reflect on it. But never lose sight on this fact that at the end of the day, it's your life and God's going to judge you for your decisions as you stand before God. And every decision in your life made at critical intersections, God's going to hold you accountable. Not your advisors, not your counselors, but you. Now listen to this. God has spoken to almost all of us. There's something that God has spoken to us on the inside. He's spoken to us. And you know you ought to be stepping out. You ought to be stepping up. You should be letting go of some things. You should be changing some things. You should be serving more. You should be dedicating more. You should be doing something more that God has spoken to you. You should be on the track that God orchestrated for your life. You ought to be doing this. Are we? Maybe you actually felt, at some point, prompted by the Spirit of God, and you went up to your spouse, or you went up to your friends, and you went up to your counselors and like, told them what it was, and like, hey, that's just too hard. Too much time, too much dedication, too much sacrifice. And they're like, yeah, probably right. Forget about it. Do you know how many secret no's Christ followers have actually said to Jesus? You know, because no one else hears. No one else understands. No one else has heard that prompting in our spirit. So we find it's okay to say no because no one else can know that we said no. And we say a no to God a whole lot of times. No, I don't want to do this. No, I don't want to do that. And he whispers and he prompts and he leads and he guides. And we just say no because it's a secret no and no one knows. But you know, in your heart of hearts, he's asked you to step up. He's asked you to step out. You know that in your heart, God wants to assign you something. It might be a heavy burden, but here's the reality. You don't have to understand it. You just have to follow it. Oftentimes, we want explanations before we follow. So what is God asking you to do? What cross is he asking you to pick up today? What step is he asking you to take? And is it hard? Is it take away from your life? Have you gone to people and talked to people and they say, no, it's too hard and you just blindly followed? You know, I know some people who wanted to come to Christianity, but they didn't because their wife didn't want them to. I know another bunch of people who wanted to come to our church and serve in the church but their relatives, who are in other religious structures, said, no, we don't want them to do that, and they followed. And they didn't come, and they didn't become part of the great family of God. We have to know what decisions are right for us. Church, I'm going to say this one more time. At the end of the day, when you stand before the throne of God, 
You can't point to anyone else and say, well, they told me to do this and they advised me to do that. Ultimately, you need to weigh out the decision, ponder it, pray about it, and make the right decision for your life. Because here's what God's going to say. I talked to you about it. I told it to you. I made it clear to you. I whispered to you. I prompted you. I directed you. I inspired you. Did you take on that responsibility? Because if you did, you'd been on a marvelous adventure that would have blown your mind. You've experienced the greatness of God, the miracles of God, the profoundness of the intimacy that God offers to people who follow Him. So wise counsel, don't just blindly follow. I want to spend a couple of minutes that we have left here and asking this weighing question. What is weighing it? How do you weigh advice and counsel in your life? Let's look back to Rehoboam for just a moment. He asked an older group of advisors if he should lighten the load, and he asked a young group of advisors, and they advised him to do more taxes and more load. Do you think that, generally speaking, oftentimes in our lives, do we listen more to older people, or do we listen more to younger people? Do we weigh older people's advice more than we weigh younger people's advice? What do you think? I think no. When I'm at a critical, critical crossroads in my life, I seek counsel from all kinds of people, all ages. And often I've got fantastic, amazing advice from younger people. Really amazing advice. They're smart, they're godly, they love the Lord. But in my view, there's no substitution for experience. Someone who has decades and decades and decades of warfare or walking this walk and giving us decisions, I'd weigh that a little bit more. Nothing against the younger people, but I want someone with experience and rather than someone who just walked out of the classroom to give me. Life experience really matters. But once again, I've got amazing advice from young people. If we have the humility to go to people who are younger than us and ask their advice, you'll find that some of them have amazing insight. We are a multicultural, multi-generational church. We have people that are older than us, and we have people that are younger than us. And if we are really honest about getting great advice and great counsel, we won't look at age as a factor. We won't look at people for what they look like. Oftentimes, we listen to our friends, and I fell in that group because I had a group of friends that loved me and didn't want me to leave, and they spoke out of what they wanted, their love, like people spoke to Paul out of their love, don't go, and they didn't want me to go because of our friendship because of our closeness. But here's what Proverbs 16.31 says. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is attained by a righteous life. My question is this. Is there a proverb in the Bible that has advice for no-haired people? (laughs) I don't know. I have to check that out. But here's the thing. You need to check, authenticate, and weigh out that advice. So number one consult everyone. Number two, when I'm weighing people's counsel, I ask a few questions. I determine their risk profile. What does that mean? It means, are these people more likely or more geared to jump for it, to go for it, or they're more geared to be hesitant? The more da- I know people, the more dangerous the idea, 
they're into it. I'll be like, let's plant a church in the middle of this terrorist organization and be like, that's awesome. That's, go for that. God's definitely in that. You need to do it now. What about prayer? No, no, no. Just do it now. God's in it. Absolutely right. And then I have others on the other side who are like, well, we need to give that some thought. So let's consider it for a couple of years. You know, then we'll pray about it for another year and then we'll review it, see what decision God has. You need to look at the type of person. Are they someone who would just jump in? Or are they someone who is really hesitant? Maybe because they've had experiences in their life that they've jumped into and they're a little bit hesitant now. So when you look for counselors, look for some who are wise. Not based on their experience, but based on what God says. You have to weigh it out. Are they speaking out of their own fear? Or are they speaking out of their own bravado? You've got to be careful. This is your life in the balance. Thirdly, when weighing the counsel of advisors, you have to factor in their relationship to you. When Paul's elders walked with him down to the wharf when he was getting on that ship, they were crying, they were bawling, they were saying, don't go Paul, don't go Paul. Why? Because they loved him. They weren't giving counsel from God, they were giving counsel out of their emotional attachment. You follow what I'm saying? And Paul knew that. He says, I appreciate that you love me. I love you too. But you're not giving me good counsel right about now. And as I said, I believe that's what happened to me. The closer someone is to you, the deeper affection they have for you, you have to weigh out whether they're speaking out of their emotional ties or godly counsel. Maybe they're just looking out for me. Maybe they want the best interest of my life. But the important thing to ask is this. Number one in that number three session, find a person who loves God first. Number two, find someone who loves me or loves you. But number three, find someone who loves God more than me. Because if they love God more than me... They're going to find someone or find advice that is more pertinent. I give them decision, they go away, they pray about it, and I say, hey, this is exactly what God said. No holes barred, I'm not taking anything away, this is exactly what he said. And if it's a yes, it's a yes, if it's a no, it's a no. But they're not after my interest first, their, most, their priority is to follow what God said. And when people do that, you have sort of a gut feeling where they're doing it out of their own emotion or they're doing it from a godly advice. You know you have a feeling, you absolutely 100% know whether they're coming from an emotional state or they're coming from godly advice. Finally, I don't want to be hyper-spiritual or over-mystical in this, but when you are weighing key decisions in the crossroad of your life, if the advisor's counsel is really from God, you're going to sense, as I just said, it's not their personal opinion, but it's godly advice. Now, nothing against human decisions. I've made plenty myself. But I want a godly decision in a time of crisis or at a crossroads of my life. So friends, do you have friends that will stand with you and make a godly decision? Do you have Friends who would take a decision to see what's right in your life and what God wants in your life over personal contact and emotions. Because they're going to do what God asks. So finally, let me just summarize. 
Weigh it. Don't blindly follow it. Seek what God has to say. Because God has a plan that is perfect for your life. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans for good, for success, to give you a future and give you a hope. So God has a perfect plan for you. You want to be in God's plan? You want to be in His path? Enough making foolish decisions. Listen to godly counsels. Weigh out decisions. And if the answer is yes, then yes. Imagine as we go further down the road in our lives. If God's plan is really in effect, what a blessing it would be. All those people around you who might have said no will come back to you and say, Hey, we did it out of emotion, but we clearly see that you're on the path what God ordained because you're going to see an abundance of blessings in your life. So church, imagine a place. Imagine a gathering. Imagine a bunch of Christ followers. Imagine a kingdom community of people who constantly take advice from God rather than from our own intuition, our own choices, and our own decisions. Imagine how adventurous and amazing it would be because the reality of our life I'm just going to tell you the truth. 90% of us make our own decisions. 90% of us ask people, and when the majority weighs out, we listen. All of us do it. I've done it. There's no shame in admitting it. There's shame in continuing in it. So let's go to godly counsel. So should you seek godly counsel? Absolutely, yes. But don't just blindly follow, weigh it out, pray about it, and make the right decision for your life. Can we do that? Yeah. Amen. Let's pray. Let's stand. I'm going to ask you to listen some, to some godly advice. Now, As I said before, I want you to weigh it out. See if it's right. And whether it's good for your life. Here's the advice. Plant yourself in church. Put roots down. Go down to the depth. Someone tells tells us about a tree that's planted by the rivers of life. That it brings forth fruit and its leaves in every season. You want the season of blessing to extend in your life over and over, not based on whether you're up or whether you're down, whether you have a job or don't have a job, whether things are going good and things are going are not so good. Be planted. Commit yourself to being in the house when all the other people gather because where can you find the best godly advice? It's right here among the people around you. Not about their age, not about their color, not about how old they are or young they are, but whether they're speaking from a place of wisdom. So this is my advice to you. And this is the counsel of the wise. Whether you take it and implement it, it's up to you. You need to pray about it. Commit to the purposes of God. When you seek His face, He'll never turn His face away from your face. When you're planted in Him, you bring about fruit in every season. You're not based on the environment around you, but you're based or rooted in the presence of God. Seasons may change and times may change, 
But when you're rooted, you'll be taken through. Last night, I was up till about three o'clock and I went to the window and it was really bad wind. And I looked at the tree, they just planted a tree outside my house, and I looked at that tree and I said, I wonder if that trunk is going to hold it in this wind. I wonder if it's grounded enough. Because oftentimes during windstorms, we see trees topple over, you know, because their roots are shallow. But if you see a tree that's rooted deep down, no matter how hard the storm, no matter how great the wind, it might leave a, lose a few leaves, but it still stands. So you need to decide, what do you want to be? You want to be shallow roots that when a storm comes, you're blown over? Or you want to be a strong tree that has deep roots that might lose a few leaves here and there, but you still stand and you'll get them back? So church, let's make wise decisions, listen to godly counselors, and follow godly advice. Amen? Can you raise your hand if you agree with me? We want to follow this. And let's just pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we don't want to be like Rehoboam. Even though he followed the advice to seek counselors, he didn't listen to the right counselor. So Lord, we want to seek out wise people. We want to ask them about key decisions in our life. But then we just don't want to blindly follow. We want to weigh it out. See whether, where it's coming from. See what the intention of their heart are. And some of them, we know, Father, mean the best in our life. They don't want to lose connection. They don't want to lose friendship. So sometimes people speak out of emotion. But Lord, for our lives, for our future and our purpose, we want you to make the right decision. And we are committed to following the right decision that you give us. We might not agree with it, but we want to follow it. We want to follow your example and follow your leading. Because even though I don't see what my future holds, I know that you have a great future for me. And if I just trust you through the storm... I know I'll come out better on the other side. I believe in you. I trust you. And I love you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you do and what you're going to do. We thank you for the blessing, the favor, and the anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Put your hands together.